0: Hi everyone, I'm Mark Cooper, and welcome to the latest episode in our Rethink Energy podcast series. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Tina Pauli, Head of Driving Strategy from Team Sonnenwagen has been supporting and closely following the team's story for several years now. Back in 2019, our intrepid students took part in the World Solar Challenge Race Across Australia, and despite a pretty major crash, fortunately in which no one was hurt, the team repaired the car, got it back on the road and finished in a very respectable sixth place. They also won the Spirit of the Event Award, which was fantastic. Sadly, due to the pandemic, the race won't be returning to Australia this year, but instead we can look forward to Solar Challenge Morocco 2021, which starts on the 23rd of October. Tina's going to talk to us about the road to Morocco, the new car, her role on the team, careers in engineering and technology, e-mobility, and climate change. So like the race across Morocco, we will be covering quite a lot of ground in this podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, Please check out other podcasts and content at rethink-energy.com. Welcome, Tina. Very pleased you can join me.
1: Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for making the time. As I mentioned in the introduction, we've got quite a bit of ground to cover and some exciting topics to talk about. But before um, we dive into that, very proud at Bayva RE to be supporting and sponsoring Team Sonnenwagen for a few years now, but for those who are not familiar with the team and who you are and what you do and the whole kind of um, solar challenge of what it's about, could you give a little introduction um, to the team and your mission?
1: Yeah, Basically, for those who don't know us already, uh, we are a team of about 49 students from RWTH Aachen and FH Aachen from various disciplines. And um, together with a very strong and active uh, alumni team that supports us, we built a complete solar car from scratch. We designed ourselves as well, and that only in one and a half years. And with this car, we want to participate in the most challenging races for solar cars from all around the world. Um, Sadly, as you already said, the race we normally participate in in Australia got cancelled. But together with the other teams from around Europe, we found ourselves a great alternative in Morocco and Belgium this year.
0: And you mentioned this is 40 students. So this is 40 students in, in the core team itself. And this is coming presumably then from a range of different disciplines in kind of engineering and design and...
1: Yeah, we have um, students from um, electrical um, studies, also from mechanical, but also like myself from computer science, or also people studying um, business engineering and stuff like that. So we have a very broad diversity in our team and a a very good setup for all the challenges we face by designing and uh, building this car.
0: And is it generally a pretty much a completely new team each year, or do you have some people who've come across, say, from the team who were involved back in 2019?
1: Basically, we set up a new team every two years, but of course, there are also people remaining in the team so that they can uh, give on their experience and um, the knowledge they already collected. And we also get a lot of support from the people that are no longer in the team, but uh, still supporting the things we do overall.
0: Fantastic, and we and we get on to talk about the new car in a little bit more detail and your role in a bit more detail. But could you just kind of briefly outline, as head of driving strategy, um, what what that role involves?
1: Yeah, basically, um, the driving strategy department is the department dealing with all the stuff that comes up after the car is finished. We Partly organize the testing of the car after it's um, finally built, but we also have a lot of jobs during the race. We monitor each little detail about the car's behavior during the race, and we are the ones that try to um, come up with an optimal strategy uh, for the race over time. Therefore, we calculate not only um, before, but also during the race, uh, an optimal velocity uh, that we want to drive in so that we can. Use the energy we get from the sun in the most efficient way.
0: Fantastic, and, and and across the team, how how does everyone get on? There's a lot of you know different personalities, a lot of different different disciplines. Um, is it always a happy team, or are there uh, some um, some challenges along the way?
1: Of course, many people bring many different uh, <laughs> opinions and therefore there uh, sometimes sometimes a little bit bumping heads. Um, but I think that's also a strength of our team because this way you always uh, get new ideas, new way of approaching a problem and uh, therefore hopefully uh, the most efficient results and the most optimized results for the car we want to build all together. And um, we also have um, a very flat team structure. So everybody is welcome to throw in their opinion. And therefore, some discussions may take longer, but the results get even better, I think.
0: And and it sounds fantastic. I mean, it must just be such a, you know, a a huge project of kind of collaboration and cooperation and different disciplines and skills coming together all to to this Epic race um, in this case across Morocco, and and what must be just a, you know a kind of huge adventure that you're building up to.
1: Yeah, it's actually quite an adventure. Uh, most people of us, uh, we learn um, the things about designing such a car um, on a very theoretical basis in our studies but no one of us ever built something with with something like this with their hands <laughs> uh, we don't have uh, <laughs> most people don't even have any experience in uh, mechanical work and therefore um it's a first time with many things for us and uh, therefore really a great adventure all along the road to this finally finished car and of course then um the race we participate in.
0: Fantastic. And what is it you are studying, Tina? Uh,
1: I'm studying computer science, so basically not the thing you would think you study when you design a race car, but <laughs> uh, we also have many parts of the car that need programming, and therefore it's uh, quite handy to have a programmer in reach.
0: <laughs> Frances, and what have you found, I don't know, most eye-opening or most enjoyable about what you've been able to apply from what you're studying to, as you mentioned, this kind of real-world project um, that you're delivering?
1: I think the one thing I was most surprised by is that uh, we get teach that we have different uh, things we learn in studies in mechanical engineering and um, in computer science, but it's not that strictly um, separated anyway. Uh, We have um, many points during the whole uh, process where we need to mix up those uh, different fields. And um, therefore, I also learned a lot about how you... Uh, build up a platine from the electrical department, for example, and uh, not only how to improve the things I do myself
0: and I guess real world and um, that, that is how all kind of projects work it 's always a, a collaboration you bring what you know, and so does everybody else and hopefully everybody gets on and, and then the end, product is um, all the better for that collaboration.
1: Yeah, exactly. Many people with different skills and different weaknesses as well, um, but together an overall very strong group.
0: Fantastic. So just coming on to talk a little bit more about the race, um, as we mentioned, Solar Challenge Morocco um, starting on the 23rd of October. It's Epic, thousands of kilometers, multi day, multi stage race. I see there's towns, there's cities, there's deserts. I mean, it all sounds um, fantastic. Can you tell us a bit more about it and, and you know, how would you go about preparing for, for a race like this?
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be something really epic and something completely different to Australia. Um, the track is way steeper in parts than the one in Australia, and we will have probably less radiation um than in australia and therefore we also had to change our whole uh, race strategy because in the australian outback there are not that many cars <laughs> um but on the track in morocco we probably have uh, really frequent traffic and we are um driving each day uh, between certain cities and we also have roundabouts and stuff and not just the uh, open road and uh, that will bring um many many challenges To uh, find out a bit more about that uh, track, we also sent um, a part of our team already down to Morocco a few weeks ago and they checked out the track and uh, measured um, the elevation because we have very extreme changes in elevation in parts and uh, therefore our electrical department uh, has to figure out whether we will be... um, best prepared for the race. For example, whether our motors fit for the race, because everything originally was designed for Australia in the first place. So we now have to um, do a bit of change of plans um, (laughs) so that we also can get the best race out of uh, that race in Morocco. But we also prepare our drivers. Currently, we are at the testing facilities uh, of Daimler in Immendingen and uh dare we not also give them as much time to get the car uh, get to know the car better but also um give the team the chance to train different situations during the race like driver changes or tire changes so that we are best prepared for the race
0: so a lot of of preparation that goes into it and there's there's a pre-race in Belgium is that right that will come up before Morocco that you'll be involved in
1: yeah, exactly. Um, it's a 24-hour race and uh, basically the same race you participated in last year.
0: And, and that's, I guess, you mentioned 24 hours, that really is then a case of you know an endurance race where you get to really test the car and, and how everything's working.
1: Yeah, exactly. It will be a really good opportunity for the whole team to train each part of the race. Um, so we are prepared for Morocco, but also for my department uh, especially it will be a good chance to collect as much data as possible once more before the race. um, So they can fit our models a bit more and um, hopefully um, then are best prepared for Morocco.
0: And we talked about, you know, it's multi-stage. I think in total, it's like two and a half thousand kilometers. How many kilometers, if if you're doing well and on target, would you be looking to cover in a day?
1: Um, The stages for each day will be uh, fixed. In uh, Australia, you f- drive as fast you please, <laughs> as far as you are possible to do. Uh, but in Morocco, we have um, already set uh, stages where we must end up at the end of the day by, I think it's 18 o'clock. And mm-hmm. therefore, the only thing we ne- need to figure, as, uh, figure out is how fast we are going to uh, drive on this track and not how far. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Now we get onto the car in a bit and just how fast it goes. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, there's going to be this time. There's going to be a lot more traffic on the road um, to contend with. I mean, how how many teams are taking part in this? How many teams are going to be on the road at any one time?
1: Um, I think at the moment there are eight teams um, mm-hmm. that will participate, but maybe someone will uh, join as well if they make up their mind. So yeah. there will be a lot of people aiming for the first place uh, in this race. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. And did you you, you all set off at the same time or is it then staggered and then it's a case of whoever gets to the uh, allotted finish line first?
1: Each day it will be um, set up like we arrived the day before um, so that everybody just starts driving about 15 minutes after the one before you started so that we get a bit of space between the cars, Mm -hmm. but not too much so the race still keeps exciting and uh, that we still have competition between the cars.
0: Fantastic. And then at the end of kind of each stage, presumably wherever that reaches, is that team just camping then, and you kind of stay the night uh, wherever you've got to at the end of that stage?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. We are going to uh, do a bit of camping. Not that many chances to take a shower, but I think that's okay for <laughs> those few days.
0: <laughs> um, but presumably, as the driver, you you must get the red carpet treatment, do you? The nicest tent, the best food.
1: Oh, of course. We have a whole uh, setup crew that is planning the camping area and they also buy the supplies because not everybody can be right next to the car during the race. And those people are also very important during the race. Uh, they keep us well-fed and well-hydrated during the race and before and after the hours we drive.
0: And what would you say overall at this stage you are most excited about and also most nervous about as uh, we edge closer to October.
1: Yeah, of course, we are really nervous about wherever anything will go wrong in the last (laughs) minutes because it's a prototype car. So therefore you never know what possibly could go wrong anyway. But also it will be really great after all those months of hard work to say that that it finally has paid off all those hours at the workshop to see the car on the open track. I think that's going to be really great. That's
0: going to be pretty cool. Um, And yes, of all the hard work that's gone in already, and a lot of that um, has obviously been directed at the new car, which is the third generation, the Cavestro Photon Sonnenwagen. And looks very cool. I saw the unveiling um, ceremony online. New look. Um, But I'm sure that's not the only thing that's changed. Can you tell us a little bit about the new car and what the kind of big differences are and, and what's special about the first? generation.
1: Yeah, of course, we have changes between each generation anyway, because the Bridgestone World Solar Challenge we normally take place in has new regulations each time. And therefore we have to uh, apply those changes to our car. And the two huge uh, huge changes this season probably were that we are now allowed to have three instead of four wheels, and that we have a very specified uh, driver cell, which is way bigger than the one we had before. And um, those two changes especially uh, led to a whole new uh, set of concepts for our car, especially three wheels, because you can place them next next to everywhere. Uh You put two in the front and one in the back. Or uh, like we did finally two on one side and the left one a little bit in the middle. And um, after a lot of work of our mechanical, the structure and the aerodynamics department, they came up with the uh, concept we finally built. There were a lot of optimization hours and, um, and it's really incredible how efficient our new car turned up. I have a small comparison uh, given by our aerodynamics department. <laughs> um, yeah, they also told it at the revealing and I think uh, it's quite uh, suitable and really impressive. With half of the energy you need to make your water boil. We can already drive up to 19 kilometers per hour. Wow. And if you think how much you have to uh, accelerate with a normal car to get to 19 kilometers, and that only by half the energy of boiling your water, it's really great.
0: <laughs> and that, that is, yeah, super efficient. And presumably, you know, each, each generation, the car has become more and more efficient as the technology um, has advanced.
1: Yeah, of course that. Um, sadly, the solar cells we used last year are not allowed this year anymore uh, because uh, the vehicles got really fast. Um,
0: <laughs> just like It's just like Formula One. Too fast, they've actually had to slow you down with new rules. Fantastic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's actually the problem. Um, the race got uh, faster every year and they wanted to make it safer, of course. And therefore, they add regulations like this huge driver cell, which will... Make the cars slower so that you um, need more energy while you drive, or that you can't store as much energy as before, or something like this, Um, so that the race will still keep keep everyone safe.
0: (laughs) Which is which is of course primary, and I mentioned Formula One there. I think Formula E would be a better comparison. And you mentioned about kind of all the work that went into coming up with the new design before it was actually built. So. Presumably a lot of that is, I don't know, computer 3D modeling and, and prototyping and testing out ideas and seeing which ones work and which ones don't.
1: Yeah, it's similar to that. Our aerodynamics department, they talk to the mechanicals, um, how they can fit the uh, wheels in the car best without them... Uh, looking somewhere out or um, having too much space around, uh, but also with the electrical department, for example, for the solar cells uh, and so on. And then they get their concepts. Uh, At the start, they are really different, uh, really um, vast ideas. But then they are using different software types to optimize those concepts, to reduce the drag any further. And then they can exclude some of the concepts or add new and... All that took place over about half a year, and after that, they came up with final concept. Uh, we also built then.
0: Fantastic. And w- were there any sort of surprises along the way, or things that you thought you know might not work that turned out to work better than you expected, or?
1: Well, the whole change with the three wheels instead of four. Um, mm-hmm. We had a lot of discussions about that because you have to keep your car steady. Um, While you drive, and if you only have three wheels, it's way harder to um, steer it in the same way as you use with four wheels. It's uh, way easier to just steer with two wheels next to each other than um, the concept we have now. And there was a lot of manpower on that part, so this finally worked, and I think that is... Something I was uh, surprised with, that, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that we fi- uh, finally found a concept uh, that worked so well and uh, safe for our drivers.
0: Uh, yes. And talking about yes, driving and coming back to your role, you're going to be in the cockpit, driving the car, um, apart from the kind of obvious roles and responsibilities you have. Can you talk us through some of the kind of key considerations then that go into like the driving strategy plan?
1: Yeah, our driving strategy, basically, we don't really do it ourselves. We have a, a program uh, that uh, calculates us fast. Basically beforehand, uh, we use simulated data and data we collect during the testing. And with this data, we create a very detailed model of the car's behavior. And together with the weather data, we get beforehand and we collect while the race and the track data. We then can predict the car's behavior at each point during the race. And this allows us to calculate a very, probably optimal uh, velocity for each point along the race. But of course, we have the already mentioned external factors like the traffic amount or different Mm -hmm. quality of the road. And therefore, we also have to adjust the strategy multiple times during the race. And therefore, the driving strategy sits in a car just behind um, the Sonnenwagen and um, can react to everything happening right on point.
0: Wow. So you're looking to keep a consistent speed as fast as you can go. Is, is, that how it, is that how it works, putting it simply?
1: Yeah, almost. You can imagine the problem we are solving like a tree. At the root, you have the start time and uh, you know where you start, but then you can drive multiple strategies and uh, you can drive multiple velocities, but which of those ways is the optimal one? And exactly this problem is the one we are trying to solve.
0: So what sort of top speeds are you likely to hit when you're going flat out?
1: Well, there are, of course, restrictions uh, on the road. We have velocity restrictions we have to uh, adjust to, but the rest will probably um, be mixed. I think in the last race, we had a very steady velocity. Yeah, overall, we are just trying to drive a velocity with which we arrive at first in the finish line, but also... Uh, consume as less energy as possible.
0: So how, how fast could the car go outside of the race if you just on perfect conditions on an open track and if you put your foot to the floor, what kind of speeds could you get up to?
1: Uh, sadly, we didn't try that out until now.
0: Oh. Um,
1: but we are probably going to do that on the upcoming uh, weekend in Irrendingen. But our last car uh, was able to drive up to 140 kilometer per hour. And that's very fast for such a small car. I am going to say,
0: that's pretty fast anyway. And when you're that low to the ground, I'm sure it feels twice as fast.
1: Yeah, probably that as well. (laughs) Especially when you have so less space than in a regular car in this concept.
0: Fantastic. And you talked a bit about the support team. You're driving the car. the, The whole support team is following along with you. Are you constantly kind of getting updates? from the team and you know and depending on those updates then you mentioned about multiple strategies could you know the strategy change then kind of mid-race and
1: yeah myself i want not drive the car uh, i won't drive the wagon. we have a set of drivers especially training beforehand um, to drive the car so therefore we are the one telling the driver that the strategy changed but we also have new Um, system we added this year our department uh, developed together with the electronical department a kind of driver control we call remote cruise control and with this system we are able to uh, like remote change the velocity of the car like an autopilot and um, therefore our driver will probably have way less to worry about the different strategies than before
0: fantastic so just just as uh, in in the kind of uh, domestic world we're moving um, well well edging towards driverless vehicles um you're also seeing that technology come through um within the team
1: yeah exactly. Uh, we want to optimize every part of our car, and therefore we also want to drive as close as to uh, as we are able to um to those calculated velocities and The next step to uh, optimizing the car of course is optimizing the driver as well
0: wow um and then during the race itself, what are kind of the big things that may cause the strategy to change? presumably weather's a factor that comes into it? No doubt there's others. <laughs>
1: Yeah, weather is a factor we can uh, predict uh, in quite accurate, I think, with forecast. And we have also weather station ourselves so that we can uh, calculate it. And it's not that pro- uh, huge of a problem. But I think the traffic and especially other teams will be a huge factor in our um, strategy. Because if you are planning on driving 80 kilometer per hour, but then you have right in front of you another team. Will you overtake? Will you keep behind them? Um, those decisions are probably the hugest and the most difficult one during the race.
0: And as we saw back in 2019, there is always the unpredictable. We had the crash during one of the final stages. Nobody was hurt, but the car took on quite a bit of damage, but um, was repaired and um, we you know and was and was back on the road. So in terms of the kind of spare equipment being carried, I mean can can the team pretty much repair anything that would go wrong with the car?
1: This time we have a new regulation uh, by the way so that if we fall over or we just tip on one of the sides of the car, we aren't uh, allowed to uh, drive anymore. So we don't have to uh, consider um, those scenarios. But overall we of course take enough spare parts to quick fix the brakes or um something going wrong with the solar cells or stuff, There, we also have as much uh, spare parts as possible (laughs) so that uh, for every possible scenario, we have a plan, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. And we obviously talked about the weather conditions and changing tack slightly on topics. Um, Earlier in the year in Morocco, uh, we saw some of the worst flooding in 30 years and here in Europe over recent months, we've seen extreme heat waves, forest fires, and flooding, without doubt, you know, the effects of climate change now being experienced kind of, you know, in real world events. We've obviously been talking about exciting and fun aspects of the solar challenge um, and the race, but. There's obviously also a hugely important underlying message as well about transport, about e-mobility, about renewable power. Um, and I'd be really interested to get your views on those um, underlying messages and how you see the importance of e-mobility and solar power in, well, in, in a very different race um, that we're in, a race to avoid catastrophic climate change.
1: Climate change, of course, is a huge and important topic nowadays. We only have one planet and therefore we should work on protecting it better. But from my point of view, just adding more restrictions um, won't quite do it. Most people drive to work by car, and I think we shouldn't prohibit this way of mobility, but find more sustainable alternatives to improve the car as part of the future mobility. And we in our team want to show that technologies like solar cells and cars can already be actualized. Our car, of course, is not quite suitable for everyday usage. Uh, We don't have an AC or radio, and we don't even have a rear door. But there are other concept cars, for example, in the cruiser class in our events, that already show that there is a lot of potential in more daily life suitable versions of those cars. They have multiple passenger seats, they feature an AC, and they have enough room for your feet to fit comfortable. And there are also many companies that already develop cars with solar cells, like, for example, Sonomotors or uh, Lightyear. And, um, well, I have to admit that right now a car only powered by the sun probably won't work out for everyday life, maybe for short trips um, with enough time to charge the battery by sun, like commuting to and from work. But there are also other concepts that also could reduce our CO2 emissions, like, for example, hydrogen-fueled cars or something uh-huh. like this. And I think if you keep up exploring the potential of technology like solar cells, in the future it might become a reasonable concept. The prices for solar panels and for batteries are steadily going down and they're becoming way more efficient and this is improving from year to year. So... There's no one right step, but I think we need to be eager to try out those new technologies. And this way we can take a big step towards creating a more sustainable mobility in the future.
0: And do you think, you know, in, in terms of your fellow students and, and, and others you're, you know, you you're talking to, um, and more broadly, if you can, on you know, the kind of your generation, do you think there is more of a realization there that things need to change and we need to transition. And do you think from those people, you know that they are now more likely to buy electric rather than um, diesel or petrol?
1: Yeah, many people I know um, know what a huge topic climate change is. Many people in my own age that um, act upon the climate change that want to be part of that greener future we are probably not the ones uh buying cars right now um that will be something we have to deal with uh often better income than mm-hmm. we want the one we have as students um but there are many ways to participate in uh saving our world, if you want to say it like this. There's a lot of movement right now in this direction, Um, especially before COVID-19. you had Fridays for Future and stuff like this, where already students uh, from a very uh, young age Mm -hmm. participated in uh, acting upon the change we are in right now.
0: And we're talking about this decade really being the one where we need to make the difference. You know, We need to speed up the transition if we're going to end this decade in in, in the place that we need to be. Are you optimistic from what you're seeing about that journey and um, society will, will make the changes and countries, governments will help drive those changes and, and we will get where we need to by the end of this decade?
1: I think we need to stay optimistic, uh, thinking that we won't do it any way that we want to achieve those goals will lead to nothing but the same problems we have now Mm -hmm. and therefore we should um, be aware of the problems we have right now about the things that don't work as quite as they should like uh, when our climate goals aren't achieved by the government but it's only more reason for working harder on that topic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So coming back to look at the different disciplines and skills um, involved in the team and building the car, obviously engineering figures heavily and STEM shop subjects, um, science, technology, engineering and maths. What's your advice for people looking to pursue a career in those fields and take those subjects at university, especially for women who are typically underrepresented across those disciplines?
1: Well, in the last year, more and more women started their studies in technical subjects, uh, also in Aachen. But people still look surprised at me when I tell them that I'm studying computer science. I often get asked uh, how I got the idea of studying such a technical theme, uh, especially as a girl. And therefore, I think uh, we need to free engineering as well as many other jobs, for example, in the nursing sector from their prejudice. Mm -hmm. There are no jobs for women or for men, but jobs for people loving what they do. And I think, therefore, we should encourage little boys and girls to follow their passion, regardless whether they want to start a career in engineering, build a solar race car, or even become the president of Mars.
0: Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And what was the what was the spark of interest that drew you in into that direction? What was it that really just thought, wow, this just sounds super interesting. I want to learn more.
1: I think for me, it was just the feeling of having the possibility to do anything with the stuff you study. Computer science, you can reach so much nowadays, not only programming, but uh, together with very huge other fields of interest, you can combine next to everything with computer science. And therefore, you can start in next to every field of a job uh, with the stuff I study. And I think those possibilities are really great.
0: And there is a world of possibilities. Do you have any idea where you would like to take that after your studies or is it just a step at a time at the moment?
1: <laughs> it's really just a step <laughs> at a time at the moment. Um, I'm not that fine to my studies. I'm still working on my bachelor's degree and uh, therefore I have a lot of time to figure out what I want to do later, I think
0: and a epic race across Morocco um, to come before all of that. So, um, Tina, thank you for joining us and making the time. I could carry on chatting all day, but that was really interesting. Obviously, wish you lots of luck. Well, in Belgium, in the build up and of course in Morocco. And we will be following the story closely here at Ari. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was, well, it was really a pleasure to be here. <laughs>
0: Okay, so that's all we have um, time for today. Thanks again to Tina for joining me. Really interesting to hear about the um, epic race they have coming up. And as I said, we will be following that closely at Bivarre. And if you'd like to follow it too, you can check out other podcasts and content, including content about our team Sonnenwagen at rethink-energy.com. Thanks all for listening and speak to you again soon. Bye bye.